0: careers come and go. They truly do. And they they will only define us if we're demanding to be defined by them. That's the mask we want to operate through. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm all for them, but they're not who somebody is.
1: Welcome to the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast brought to you by Satori Prime. Look, if you believe that there's got to be more to life, or you find yourself zagging when others are zigging, This podcast is most likely for you. We're not here to fix you because, in our opinion, you're already perfect. We are here to help you remember who you truly are. That light inside of you that you thought you lost forever, I think you know the one I'm talking about, right? That one. We're brash and blunt and give it to you straight. You'll most likely love us and hate us at the same time, and for us, that's perfect because what we are here to do is open your heart and expand your mind so you can live your ultimate life. And if you're wanting more support at any time or just want to interact with Guy and I, find our Personal Development Without the Fluff group on Facebook and come hang out with us and other like-minded, amazing human beings. So if you're done with fantasizing about your life and you're ready to go start living it, welcome to our show. Now let's get started. All right, my friends. So today's iTunes review is short, simple, and to the point by Joel Smith 214, who headlined it, amazing podcast. He writes, life-changing material, one of the best personal development, if not the best I've listened to. Joel, thank you for the beautiful, kind words. Email me at Elon satoriprime.com and I will send you your personalized gift. And if you're listening and would leave us an honest review on iTunes. Uh, once I read yours out loud, you can email me as well and receive this amazing gift. So again, thank you, Joel Smith214. And now back to our show.
2: All right, guys, welcome here to uh, another edition of the Personal Development Without the Fluff podcast. Today we have, uh, seriously, an extra special guest. Uh, in my personal opinion, somebody that I'm, I'm personally humbled to have here with us. We have uh, Mr. Paul Selig. For those of you guys that, that don't know Paul, Paul has been putting out a, a series of books that are actually uh, channeled texts. And um, if you've been following us for any period of time, you've probably heard us talk about uh, some of his books on our podcasts. We certainly share it with a lot of our clients and students because the, the information that's coming through him is extremely um, powerful. And I think what I um, love about your books, Paul, actually is, is in the middle of the channeled text. When the, I guess you would have to name them what what you named them, but the the information that's coming through you, the energy that's coming through you takes a pause because you're uncertain of the information that's coming through. Yeah. And there's a really beautiful like humanness to that that you don't always get in channel text, which are so like, here's what's happening, here's what's happening. And that's actually like my favorite part is when when that's going on.
1: Paul's so a little um
2: uncomfortable if you with this right now. <laughs> yeah, I love that part. So uh, if you're so if you're joining us, uh wanna welcome you, uh, here, Mr. Paul Selig, to our podcast and yeah, just any Anything else you wanna fill in the blanks about who you are and what you're bringing through would be great.
1: Yeah, I, I, Paul, I'd love for, cause I'm sure people are listening right now and have
2: mm-hmm.
1: no idea even how or what, but um, I know the story of how this happened to you is quite unique and, and um, maybe we can start with like, what happened that this information started pouring through you?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a conscious channel. I work, you know, basically taking dictation from guides. And there are now six books in print and a seventh coming out in, in a few weeks, really, and an eighth that was completed two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But really all the unedited transcripts of these channeling sessions, the, the, the books are now actually done in public at this point in front of students. Mm-hmm. And they're unedited. So I'm hearing, I'm repeating what I'm hearing, and those become the books. And, um, it's the last thing I ever thought I would be doing with my life. You know, I I mean, I'll give you the story or a version of the story, a short version, I hope. Um, I was raised sort of an atheist. I wasn't very woo-woo, and I'm still not very woo-woo. I'm not a good new ager. I never have been. But when I was 25, I had a list of all these things that I thought I had to have achieved in the world that would make me okay, and I got the whole list. I wasn't okay. And out of sheer necessity, not because I thought it would be nice to get a spiritual life, I didn't know what one was, um, I began to look for something more. And I actually began praying for the first time, which was very unlike me. Um, But I did it, because there was sort of nothing else to do at that moment. And um, basically, I heard a voice telling me to get my act together. And I I listened, (laughs) I was surprised. And a few months later, there was this thing that people were calling the harmonic convergence. I heard people were going to be waking up, and I thought, well, if there is something like a God, whatever that, whatever that is, and you asked to wake up to it, why would it want to say no? That didn't sort of strike me. as very sensible. So I just went up to the roof of this building that I lived in, and somebody had given me a crystal, and somebody else had given me a mantra, and I thought you needed all the crops to, to wake up. <laughs> I, I had an experience of of energy moving through my body and out through the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was very palpable. And that was very important. You know, when I work and the guides I work with come through me and when people read the books, they tend to have the experience of the energy and people can feel it. You know? And I think that's important because I'm, I'm you know, I would say, you know, I'm not a guru. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I have no interest in being either of those things. I'm happy to be you know, the stenographer for the guides and do this work. But people's experience with it are what validates the work as far as I'm concerned. So I had this experience. For all I know, I was hyperventilating up there. I'll never know what it really was. (laughs) Little lights around people after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just these little sparks started going off like fireflies. And So now, you know, I'd heard a voice, I'd felt energy. I was seeing these little things flashing and, you know, (laughs) you know, my friends were like, you know, maybe you're detoxing, maybe you have a brain tumor, you know. (laughs) Well, I ended up being sent to an energy healer to get a context. And I then studied healing Mm. and I was volunteering at a center that was providing um, services for people with life-challenging illness. And um, it was the height of the AIDS epidemic in New York, and that was something that I could do. And I started hearing things for the people that I was working with. I would had my hands on somebody's chest. I'd heard the name Billy, and I learned to say, you know, who's Billy? And they'd say, you know, my lover, my father, my son. Wow. I had beat be up every day in high school, you know, and then that would prompt all this energy to move. And I began to, uh, to trust it, and I started feeling what other people were feeling and, you know, in their bodies. So I was developing as a clairsentient and as a clairaudient without really knowing what those things were. Mm-hmm. And I had a little group that met in my apartment for 18 years um, where I would just sit and do this. I would hear, I would repeat what I would hear and the energy would come. And, you know, during all of this, I was a college teacher. I mean, I taught, I taught at NYU for 25 years. I was running a graduate program at a, a wonderfully strange college out in Vermont called Goddard where I'm now on the board. And, um, I, I did this work because I was so fascinated by the energy that would come through. The information was secondary. I couldn't care less what, what they were saying, but I wanted to feel the energy. And I was in a group of people who could all feel it together. And then in 2009, they started dictating books through me. And that was the end of it. You know, once they started dictating the books, Everything began to change and I've left my academic life and and now this is what I do. And the books and the teachings that come through are really all about the realization and embodiment of what they call the true self or the divine self, that aspect of us that exists beyond personality that knows who it is and knows what it is and is here to express itself in fullness. And that's the teaching that they've been bringing forth sequentially in these building blocks that are really supporting people and being able to hold this higher, you know, higher octave of energy.
1: Yeah, and and I just want to point out. So for those that are listening to this for the first time, uh, you may have heard of Esther Hicks and teachings of Abraham. So it's very similar, like channeled. But this, um, like I said, the experience of it, whether you listen on audio or reading it in book, is is a little bit different. Um, I'm curious for you, Paul, since you came from this kind of atheist background, didn't believe in any of this stuff. Um how is this teaching? I know how it's affecting me and others, but like, how is it impacting you? Because you're actually being there receiving it. And I know that even in the book, like I mentioned, there are times where you're receiving and going like, what what is this? Like, how does this make any sense?
0: I'm challenged by it still. Mm-hmm. Um I finished a book two weeks ago in Berkeley in front of students that they had begun about two and a half months before at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur before students. And I, you know, feel like my life has been turned inside out yet again through this work. And I'm challenged by what they're teaching because You know, this isn't a teaching necessarily of getting what you want or self-improvement. It's really not that stuff. It's this whole other thing. And it's about realizing who one is without the mask that one has negotiated a reality through. And everybody else's mask and knowing who you are beyond what you've been taught you are and what you've been taught to believe the world to be. And so it's extremely radical and it's quite uncomfortable for me. Um, I'm learning through this because I'm confronted with my own crap on a daily basis as a result of doing this work and there's kind of no way around it. And I don't get to sit back for whatever reasons and say, hi, I'm done. Come and join me. That's yeah. not my role here. I'm here to say, "This here I am, just as I'm showing up, and then make myself available to those energies that are teaching through me. So it's changed my life in wonderful ways and hard ways um, because I'm still having to go to them and say, How is this so? You know, how can this be so? Because what they're teaching now is basically what exists beyond the known template of how reality operates, Hmm. it's beyond the conditioning of culture and what we're taught to believe is important. And most of this stuff, they say, is just based in. Data, history, things that we've grown up with that we should we expect should be there. They're teaching now how to basically transpose reality to what they call a higher octave. They say everything is in vibration and tone. And any song can be sung in a higher octave. Huh. And into infinity. You know, I mean, the note C exists in the scale that we're used to. But you can keep playing it up and up and up. And they're taking us to what they call, they call it the upper room, which is, they say, the level of, they use the term Christ in their teachings and Christ mind, but their their definition of the word Christ is is the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form. They say it's the truth of who everybody is. It's the divine spark or the monad. I think there's probably a name for it in every religious teaching sure. um, on it, but that that piece of God that's seeking to bloom and flower as and through us, they say it's already there. It exists in a higher octave of vibration than we're used to navigating. And they're teaching us how to begin to operate there. And with this comes phenomena that I can't, you know, I can't adequately describe. I mean, the, the guides that come through work with attunements that are energetic. And they say that we're all radios and we're always in a broadcast. And, you know, our broadcast is our consciousness. And our consciousness is in agreement to everything we experience individually and collectively. There's a collective agreement to this is a room and that's a sky and that's an ocean and that's what a man is and a woman is. And all of these things that have become sort of codified through our acquiescence to definition and what things have been and what we've been taught to think of them as. So what they're saying is they're teaching us how to play the higher stations that have always been there. Mm -hmm. They're taking up our radios to this other broadcast. And with that, the phenomena begins to occur, which is you can feel it, you know. So when they said this was true with the very first book, which was called I Am the Word that was dictated. It was published in 2010, so they've really dictated now eight books, I think, in nine years or something crazy like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they said that, uh, it was this, that it's a thing that happens. The realization of the divine self is a thing that happens. And how that happens? They're teaching us, you know, progressively through these texts. I had another thought, and I lost it. I just realized how fast these things have been coming. And little
1: at first, it was like I think even in Word, I'm Word, and I'm the Word. It was there was going to be three books, and then mm-hmm. that it just kept going after that.
0: It was a, there was a trilogy, and then another trilogy, and then another trilogy. <laughs> and when I look at this, they're actually building, you know, into. I couldn't have brought through the information that's coming through now nine years ago. I wouldn't have been able to wrap my brain around it. And all of the interruptions, you know, Paul is asking, Paul is interrupting, is mostly, you see, I mean, I'm not the writer of the books. You know, my name's on the cover. Um, I don't feel authorship here. I feel relief each time the book is done and I read through it and I, cause it comes back from a transcriptionist now and it all makes sense. I mean, it's an incredible sense of relief because it's been spoken and it's a bit of a, a strange experience to be dictating a book and not knowing what you just said, you know, five minutes ago and then going to the next chapter where you don't know what the title is until they say, and this has the title. So this experience of, um, of, of the books and where they're at now has been, in some ways, I suppose, a, a realization of what they first began to teach in the very first book. The first book sort of holds the DNA for all of them. But they pushed it so far that I don't want to be party to something that I can't believe in. So mm-hmm. when Paul was interrupting, that's when I'm going, I don't get it. And I, I don't want my name on a book that's going to, Mess with people, you know, or be too confusing to be worked with. I really don't want the responsibility of that. But I can show up as I can and not claim to be the expert on the teachings, which is how I try to do it.
2: I love that though. I think it adds an element of uh, authenticity and vulnerability on your part that you don't get with a lot of these texts. Um, As I mentioned, I live in San Diego. This is the collective of of the weird, so to speak, is happening up here. Mm -hmm. And then I would say more of the gifted, maybe to the outside world, it looks like the weird, but um, even close personal friends of mine are trans channels, very powerful trans channels. I've been in their uh, space while they're doing this. The information that comes through is beyond human in many ways or even small things like sense of humor that's very not human um, and I know that being in that energy even um, I am the word going through some of the meditations with the guides certainly felt the changes in my body and how that moved the energy in my body um, so my it's interesting because I would think when you're having those experiences, like your faith is through the roof, that there is like the support system that exists beyond the field of the human. Because that's what it made me feel like the first time I saw it. I'm like, wow, look at all the support that we have that we normally don't see that is veiled by belief systems, by language, by governments, by you know, by religion. Um, so it's curious, you know, that that's been happening to you for so long. Um, I'm, so I'm, I'm curious, like, how does this, sh- how has it shifted your faith? I feel like if I was experiencing what you're experiencing, I could, f- I don't quite mean it the way that I'm going to say it's like, I can do no wrong, because I'm always on path. I'm always on purpose. Um, it's almost like every choice I'm making, I'm being led right by this like energy and force that's around me that's not not your personal experience with it it seems like
0: it's not I wish it was and perhaps it is and I'm the one that's not trusting it Hmm. I mean when I look at the evolution of this work I've had very little to do with it you know (laughs) show up consistently for this and I've learned to show up when I don't want to and that's important to show up you know, when it's not convenient, when I've just had a fight with somebody, I'm on the verge of tears, and then I have to channel before 400 people. It's wow. They're fine. They're going to come through anyway. Wow. I don't necessarily know that my personal life and my personal happiness is, is their great agenda. You know, I think they're teachers, and they come through to teach. And I have access to the teaching. I don't read for myself a lot, I mean, I have a practice as a psychic, and I'm a good one, you know. Um, I, can, I have this ability to step into other people, the living, and I'll often begin to resemble them, and I can hear them. It's a bit like being a human switchboard. If you're having problems with your wife, I can step into your wife. I, you know, can hear what's going on between the two of you and, and perhaps provide some context. It's harder to do that for oneself. Hmm. Sure. The guides are very good at doing with me is supporting me and not taking actions, based. And the guides say, you know, that the action of fear is to claim more fear and every choice you make in fear gets you more of the same. And I believe that to be very true. So I get counsel from them in the moment if I need it. If I'm too invested in the answer, I may not want to hear it, which is then my problem. You Mm. know, I still want what I want. I've got this personality self that, you know, has its own mandates. So I do, you know, and I've said this before, you know, I've been given perhaps more evidence than many people get about the existence of something other. Um, But I still question, you know, after all of this. I mean, I know I'm not making it up and I know I don't have an agenda and I I actually miss teaching college. I was very good at it and Mm -hmm. it was a nice life for me. Um, And for whatever reason, this is what it is now. And I've agreed to it. And according to the guides, I agreed to it before I was born. And so here we go. We're we're off and running. (laughs) So I I do have faith. I know that there's more. I can feel the energy. Sometimes I can see the energy. I've had those experiences. Um, But am I always aligned to the high octave. I wish, hopefully, that's
1: what I'm working towards. Is there a question that you ask of them? <laughs> yeah, I get a bunch of them. You uh, know? No, I know. I'm just curious, like, you have access, it seems like you have access to, I mean, wisdom from way outside of our normal scope. I'm just curious, like, what would you sit there and just ask
0: You see, I'm selfish, you know? I mean, my questions are like, where's my partner, you know? And you know where to move to after three years of saying I want to get out of the city. You know, why can't I, you know, manage to stay on a diet when I know I need it? I mean, my questions are selfish. The meaning of life, that's for the
1: books, you know? Well, I'm I'm actually – that's what I'm asking because I'm curious because the books are really – and this is what I'll say to anybody, whether you understand what's coming through at whatever level you do, it's like you said, there's an energy frequency exchange. I put these things on at night to go to sleep. And I swear, like I wake up different. I I have dreams that are, it's just, it's a unique experience, but I'm thinking like, if I had access to that, I think I'd ask very similar questions that you are like, what, what, where should I move? And what about my health? And what about relationships? Do they answer those things?
0: I mean, I, yes and no. You know, we have free will. And I can move anywhere I want to. You know, that's up to me. And as far as they're concerned, I do believe in their teaching of knowing. And they talk about the differences between thinking and knowing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not likely to take a large choice in hand, like a move to another state without having a real resonant yes within my own heart and being to do that. I've learned that I will learn regardless. I can learn through, you know, packing my bag tomorrow and moving someplace. I will learn the lessons that come with that, and they're valid lessons. And it's not that I, I think that there's some premeditated moment of, of, of these things happening. But I do, um, I do ask. And I often hear, not yet. Really simple, you know, not yet. And if I ask why not, I might hear, you know, the same damn thing, it's just not time. And it may not be time for anything that I would have any conjecture for. You know, there was one day, this is really funny, one for me, and that's probably not to anybody else. It was a day about (laughs) 13 years ago. Nobody knew that I did this stuff. You know, I did this little group in my apartment. And I decided for whatever reasons that I was gonna go get a tattoo, like a big tattoo, like a whole sleeve, you know. I have no tattoos. And I I just said, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go look like the grungiest biker that ever, you know, (laughs) And as I was walking into the tattoo parlor, I actually heard them say, No. And that moment that I went, I'm gonna have a freaking career that's visible with this stuff. Wow. That's the only reason. And that, unless I would have gotten blood poisoning and died, you know, was the only reason I could think of. And sure enough, they started delivering the books very shortly thereafter. I don't think that they would care if I got a tattoo. I often say if I want to walk into oncoming traffic, they'll let me do that. But if I say, is this a good time to cross? They would say, not wise. Hmm. Not wise, again, brings me back to will and choice, you know, they don't—they don't override free will. They don't do it in the books. They talk about aligning up to the higher will and what that entails, which is a big teaching. Um, and I'm learning how to work with that. And that some of that's about letting go of agenda and my idea of what should be based on the data of what was and what the list of expectations I have for what the world is supposed to be, which is the menu we all walk around with. If God say, you know, we're always ordering off of the menu that we've inherited of possibilities. Mm. It doesn't occur to us to imagine that there's more because we don't have context for it. And that's what they're supporting us in doing, is is opening up to the other possibilities. I don't know if I answered your
1: question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was brilliant. I'm, and some, someone was just saying like, yeah, I'd ask questions too. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I do think it's fascinating because that's been my experience with channeled experiences too, is that you don't, uh, they won't answer the free will stuff because they don't want to take mm. that away from you. I do, it's interesting, like while we're having this exchange, I'm thinking to myself, most of life people are, are organized around achievement when I get enough money, when I get my health in order, when I find my partner, like everything will work out. And and Paul's sitting here with like probably one of the biggest desires I would ever have on the planet, which is to have direct communion with something that, whether, uh, is it, I want to say an aspect of God more than I want to say God mm-hmm. or like a part of God or something that's closer to God than we are, um, mm-hmm. however you want to verbalize that. And yet the, the humanness is still so strong, like the, <laughs> the basic desires, right? Like that still hasn't achieved something because I'll tell you, like Elon and I are... are heavily in pursuit of our energetic gifts and there's, there's aspects of clairvoyance and we've worked with people like this for many years. Mm-hmm. I can't say that we're, you know, divinely guided in the, the same kind of channeled experiences that you've been experiencing. And now I'm, I'm finding that part in myself that's desiring this achievement to have this level of communion. And yet I'm sitting in front of a person who's got that. And I still see that all they really want is the basic necessities of life is safety, connection, love, support. <laughs> it's just so interesting.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's true. You know, the, the guides I work with have said things to me and to their students. It's the small self that's seeking enlightenment. Hmm. And that's hmm. not how it becomes enlightened. You know, they don't teach enlightenment. They teach realization. And they say realization is knowing. And they say when you're in your knowing, you're never afraid. And if you think back to any time you were really in your knowing, there's no fear there. And when you're in your knowing, you're sort of impelled or compelled to act upon that, which is how you begin to then navigate a life. So that whole system that I was so attached to about achievement, and and I'm, I'm sure still am in some ways, but it's not what it was, because this is very much a teaching of being. And um, they give an illustration sometimes. I have a friend, Brent, who's about, you know, six foot four, and he's a big You know, muscly guy looks like Paul Bunyan, you know. And I tuned into him for a friend. And um, so I tuned into Brent, and he showed up walking down like a country road at night, going, you know, up to the stars, going, you know, what am I here for? What am I here for? What am I here for? And as he was walking, there was this huge tree that had fallen across the path. And because he's a big man, he was able to. Pick the tree up and throw it off to the side of the road. And he went right back to what am I here for? What am I here for? What am I here for? And the message was he was there to move the tree that was right in front of him. Wow. That he cleared the path for everybody coming behind, but he was looking for it to be something more important than that. You know? Um, And I don't know that it always needs to be that at all. I think that's a cultural thing. You know, the guides teach through these attunements. And one of the attunements is, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve. And they say those things can only be spoken by the true self, the divine self or the God within that knows who it is and knows what it is in the form that it has taken as you, as anyone. And they say how one serves is how one is most fully expressed as the true self. You know, and when people come to me and they say, well, oh, I get, you know, the I know who I am and what I am, but I still don't know how I serve. I find out usually in a minute that they're looking for a job. Mm. It's supposed to be the career. And I think that this is this is a cultural moment that we're in where we're all supposed to be achieved. I don't even think they're, I mean, I'm older than you guys, but 30 years ago, I don't think everybody sort of had to have a career. Yeah, you know, had to have a life that they wanted, which I think, you know, is, is probably a, a higher goal, you know, because careers come and go. They truly do. And they they will only define us if we're demanding to be defined by them. You know, if that's the mask we want to operate through. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm all for them. But they're not who somebody is.
1: Hello, my favorite listener. That's you. I wanted to share with you some of the amazing results and breakthroughs your fellow Satorians are experiencing as we speak from being in the collective with us. So if you haven't heard about The Collective or what you're missing out, check this out. So Amanda writes, a couple of years ago, I was destitute, living back with my parents at 36. I'd lost my job, was overcome with chronic illness and a strong victim mindset, and I was totally stuck. Through the influence of your training, I'm enjoying a much more fulfilling life. I've moved back home, gotten a great job, taken control of my health, and even bought the car I've always wanted. I'm ready to go even further into my awakening and manifest the life I truly deserve. I couldn't be happier to be part of this tribe of amazing human beings. Robin said to us, thank you. Since March, I've started meditating every day. I've lost 27 pounds. I've resigned from a job that I hated, but stuck with because of the money and I've already received three new job offers and even taken one of them that is paying more and I'm much happier. Plus my relationship with my husband is flourishing too. Thank you. And Paul writes after talking to my daughter, I now know that I feel relieved and much lighter because of it. Thank you again for everything. You guys have changed my life. I feel like I've come farther in the last few weeks than I have in the last few years. I'm so grateful for your help and support. I love you guys. Look, I know this podcast adds tremendous value to your life. My suggestion is head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective right now and jump headfirst into the collective. After all, it's only a $9 a month investment. And we'll, you'll get access to Guy and I in a whole new way. You'll learn some of the most cutting edge technology that we share with our best clients, but we can't really share here on the podcast. Imagine you and us interacting with each other live every two weeks for just $9. It's incredible, as you've seen before. So if you're wanting breakthrough results in your life quickly, head to SatoriPrime.com forward slash collective. And begin to deepen your journey as a historian today. It's kind of like what we were talking about before. We were talking about the difference between New York and California. And that, you know, New York, you're talking about like a menu and a cultural conversation. It is, look, the the motto is if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And it really has become this whole thing about ambition, success, drive, just constantly moving to that next piece. And then you go to... I mean, I lived in Spain for four and a half months, luckily when I was younger, and I remember it rewiring. And I didn't know anything about personal development or anything back then, but I just remember being in a culture and going, wow, you guys live a completely different life than I'm used to in, I grew up in uh, North Jersey. And that was the first time that it kind of occurred to me that these might just be cultural conversations and not, a fixed way for humans to live but how many people go experience those things or travel and, and you and know these other cultures
0: I don't know if you have to have another culture I mean when I was and I said this when I was 25 I was a year out of Yale I was a playwright I was being produced in New York and London I wanted to get a hot date so I got an interview magazine <laughs> and you come with my you know platinum blonde Billy Idol hair You know, and I was a big old lush, you know, tooting my brains out at night when I could. And so for me, what happened truthfully was everything that I counted on suddenly wasn't there for me anymore. Mm. And I it was a big shock to my system, I'll tell you, because I was so completely deluded in retrospect. I took out all these student loans, you know, nobody, I didn't know I was supposed to pay them back. I had no concept of repayment. It was like, they want the money back. I thought they were getting presents to stay in school because I because <laughs> was so smart. <laughs> it was nuts. I'm somebody that didn't learn to drive because he assumed he'd have a chauffeur. I mean, I was, totally totally out to lunch so to become me at that point and to be walking around new york city with basically 35 cents to my name
1: Mm.
0: where i got to and then having an experience of what i call god was astonishing because i remember that and i remember being that poor and one day waking up after a real rough stretch And sort of knowing that I was where I was supposed to be and completely, and I'm talking knowing, not, I guess I'm where I'm supposed to be, I knew it. Mm. And I also knew that everybody else was as well. Everybody. Even the people I couldn't stand or were doing these rotten things that I had all these opinions about. It was this sort of perfect, strange dance. And it blew my mind. And the sense of union that came with that was extraordinary. And I wanted it to last for the rest of my life. And I think I had it for a few days and it went away and I felt terrible when it went away. <laughs> it's what I've always waited for again. And, but I do know that it was at that period or maybe a year or two after that that I, I said to whatever was out there, I said, I, I would like to go all the way with this. Mm. And I suspect that because I knew enough that it was so... And I suspect what they've done in these books is give others, if not me, a way to go there. You know, the would say the books operate on two levels. There's the context, which is intellectual, which is the words on the page. But they say the real teaching is the energetic transmission that you're working with yourself. Yeah. And that's and when the reviews started coming in for the first book. It was trippy because people were saying, you know, I'm reading this book and my body's vibrating. Totally. Yep. This book, I'm seeing auras, and it was like, well, that's what they said was going to happen. So, you know, we're all in this together. I don't know what there is to aspire to once we understand that all we really have is right now, anyway. You know, everything just an idea.
2: Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I mean, no different than hearing a song on the radio for the first time that moves you and makes you emotional and is reorganizing the frequency of the body in some way and changing reality in in the way that it does. I'm, I'm, I'm curious given that the last 10 years, certainly, you know, you were doing something that was very um, interesting before gave a lot of service, but then it kind of pivoted. Obviously you have to become, well, you didn't have to, but you got to become this face of this guidance internally for you um, in your relationship to just human, like a day-to-day human, right? So like Elon and I have had, we've done plenty of plant work, have mm-hmm. been in the uh, unified field, so to speak, right? And the, the, the non-duals and have had those experiences. Mm-hmm. Certainly as it has changed the way that I feel about humanity and my compassion towards it. I'm wondering on like on a, on a day-to-day today, like when you wake up and you're in your human and you're upset about the things that you're upset about and you're judging the things that you judge, <clears throat> but there is a, is there a growing sense of compassion? Is there a sense of growing optimism towards where we're moving? Because you realize that this, because you are one of these people that's bringing this through. And this is because for me, this energy and frequency and knowledge is arising on our planet naturally. You're like an orator that's like, Hey, by the way, I can also give you a little bit of (laughs) guidance Mm -hmm. on this thing. How do you feel about what's happening right now?
0: I don't think that what I do is special and I certainly don't think that I am special in a way. I think that's a real trap in this stuff and they don't work with me that way. You know, I, I'm i aware that the skill set that I'm operating with is a somewhat unique one, but I actually think the fact that I can do this or that I am doing this make, means that it's available to everybody mm. in some sure, way. I don't think everybody needs to be a channel. I mean, I'm not seven feet tall and, you know, and fit. I'm not going to join a basketball team. You know, somebody else gets to do that who has those gifts and abilities. We're all wonderfully unique. and maybe I'm not even remembering the question, though, that you asked. So,
2: it, it, it's funny. Yeah. And I, I, I actually don't even mind if you meander into whatever you feel like you want to answer personally. But, you know, I'm just wondering, like, given give the skill set that you have. And all that. That yeah, one? just like, just like well, how do you feel compassion? You wake up in the morning. Are you? Yeah,
0: I, you know, I yeah. do when I'm working. I did when I was a college teacher. I learned how to love doing that work. It was my spiritual practice for a long, long time, teaching any real good teaching. Is an act of love. Um, I I said earlier, you know, the new book really kicked my butt. And the new book is really about, in some ways, the deconstruction of personality. You know, Mm. they talk about going between floors from these two stages of of being expressed. And this is the book about being in the elevator when all your crap is getting dumped. You know, and it wasn't what I expected to channel. I thought it was going to be a nice, you know, swan boat ride. (laughs) The compassion that I have, and this comes through a lot of different experience—not just the the channel of the paranormal, the spiritual. When I'm reading for people, and I'm stepping into other people, and I feel what they're feeling, I understand this vast scale of emotion that's available because I've experienced it. Mm. So if I step into somebody who, you know, is on the brink of jumping off a bridge, I can recognize that feeling. If I can step into somebody who, when I feel them, is in glory and ecstasy, I can feel that too. Mm. I think all of this amazing tapestry, which is a corny word of life, is there to be known. And I don't know... I think the ability to develop compassion and empathy is necessary for anybody who's going to live a, a life that has goodness and truth and love because we're, we're more similar than we are different. And the guides that come through, you know, are, are so clear on this. I mean, they say when you claim to another or for another, I know who you are in truth. I know what you are in truth. I know how you serve in truth. You're claiming what is always true. It's the eternal truth of who someone is, not how good they look that day, not whether they've got the job or lost a job or are, you know, on their deathbed or, you know, running a marathon. It's still the divine as present as that person. I mean, the guides I work with, I mean, they say, you know, God is all things. Your fingernail, it's birth and death and the sky and the dirt. And they say, we're coming from this old system, which is separation, where if there is a God, it's up there somewhere, out there somewhere, and we're stuck here in the dirt. And they say, well, you know what? God is the dirt. Hmm. God in your veins and everything else. And once you begin to understand that, that union or that potential for the experience of it, Um, is much more present. There's one of the claims that they teach, one of the attunements. Um, And I guess this is for Guy, because you you spoke about wanting that, that union. It's the claim, I am known. They say, you know, we're so busy looking out to find it, as opposed to allowing it to know us. And the claim, I am known, I am known, I am known. Again, spoken by the true self. Going the awareness that everything in the room that you're in and everything beyond that room is still an expression of source because it has to be, you know? the i say, you know, there's like one note being played in the entire universe. It's one note. It's just being expressed in all these incredibly different ways. And once we understand that it, it's one note, we can begin to experience the music in a different way than we normally do.
1: So... As, as someone who's at the source of this, right, like bringing this forth and been doing it for a while, I'm curious, do you have any practices or things that you have found to integrate this just expansive information into your life, into people that you work with? Are there anything ways that you recommend with interacting with this information?
0: Not really. I mean, I have been known to say I'm not the best student of the work. <laughs> happened. And, I, and I just mean that sincerely. I channel a lot. I mean, if I'm doing a workshop, I'm channeling for a weekend, I'm channeling five hours a day, you know, okay. and, you know, and they're, they're tuning everybody up and teaching everybody how to work with the energy. And the last thing I want to do when I'm done is think about what they just said. I want to go to a movie where, you know, preferably zombies are eating everybody. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) You know, it's like, I just want to drop my vibration and, you know, eat some barbecue or something. (laughs) You know, but that's, you know, but I have to say the experience that I've gone through in the last number of months through the last book has been sort of extraordinary and I've been relying on the work to see Mm. through it in a way that I don't know that I have Mm. um, because I understand that what I'm experiencing now is what they're teaching. And I think it helps to have a practice if one benefits from a practice, but I think anything can be a practice. You know, it doesn't have to look a certain way. Um, the attunements, I suspect, if you're asking, are there things people can work with would be yes. with regard in relationship to the work that comes through me. But there are a lot of different ways that people work and and experience the inherent divine. The, what the guides teach through me is one. So I don't have great advice there. I do suspect that anyone who's willing to go outside and take a walk and set the intention to see everything that they encounter and everyone that they encounter as of source will probably have their minds blown by the experience because it's not a hard shift to make. And once you're willing to do this stuff, I think there's a whole lot of support that comes. Does the guides say, you know, God, whatever God is, God sees God in everything. So a lot of that consciousness you begin to have the exchange with it in a way that's palpable, experiential. How's that work on the New York subway? I learned it on the New York subway. (laughs) Did you? I, I found out that I was an empath, a full body. You know, I was sitting on a subway. This is back when I was in my late 20s. And I just opened up and I was sitting on the subway and my arm kept hurting. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I turned to the guy next to me who'd gotten on the train at the last stop and he had his arm in a cast. And I was feeling his broken arm. Wow. Yeah. And that's, you know, constant for me. And not as, not as much as it is because I can turn it off. But when I'm reading, I'm doing that kind of thing often. I mean, there's a fair... Amount of physical phenomena that I'm party to. I've been told I haven't seen it. That when I'm channeling, my my eyes, which are hazel, turn a very very bright blue. You know, people always say I have blue eyes. I, I have. I think I might have when I was a, a small boy, but I don't. You can have these? Yeah, I mean, it's choice. A lot of this is choice. Become willing to see the inherent divine. If, if there is a God, it's all things. See, ever, see become willing to see or experience that which must be there even when it's the last thing you can imagine it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And the guides say this. They say, what you put in darkness calls you to that darkness. You know, it's really simple. What you damn, damns you back. What you mm-hmm. bless blesses you in return. It's really simple. But you can often feel these things. When the guides teach this stuff, you can actually feel the energy of what is blessed return to you and you know i just did a workshop yesterday in burlington vermont and somebody said it feels like you know sonic waves and that's exactly what it feels like when you focus on the divine what the inherent divinity and what anybody is or who anybody is whether you like them or not and you claim it for them you can feel what the guides call the echo or the residual response it's quite fascinating hmm
2: that's, that's beautiful. So when, when people are, are in your space, um, are you excel- is it an accelerated attunement versus listening to the books? Is it on par and equal?
0: I mean, I'm not going to be around forever. The books probably will outlive me, and I hope it's in the books. And I don't think people need me to get the attunements. I think that would be a foolish way for the gods yeah. to teach. But there is something about being in the room when it's happening, and when you can work with other people, and you're all sharing the same experience of the energy. Sure. You know, I hosted that little group at my apartment that met for many years. I did it for that reason. And I wasn't lecturing in those days. I was hearing energetic attunements more than anything else. And I remember, you know, the guys. who say, everybody feel if, everybody there's you're all gonna there's a hand that's gonna come to your forehead. We'd all feel, you know, our heads would go back. It was like Beetlejuice. It was like, what the heck is going on here? But I liked that we could all feel it. You know what I mean? That it was palpable. Yeah. And truthfully, if the energy didn't come through with this, I would be less trusting of the work. And if the psychic information that I access when I read for people wasn't accurate, in almost all cases, I would have more trouble trusting the information of the text so you know yeah i think it's good to come to a workshop i do it online too and people say that they feel it online i live stream every Wednesday night and the guides are teaching and attuning and taking people's questions
1: how so this this is a good place to just uh share this information where can people find out about upcoming events whether online or live if they want to come be there
0: and my website which is just it's my name it's paulselig.com s-e-l-i-g and there's a calendar there and there's a lot of information and videos and all that stuff but yeah and i'm doing it a lot so i'm on the road a great deal
1: you know and have you have you stopped your practice or you're still doing the practice that you were doing before as well the private sessions yeah I do them. I don't do as
0: many as I used to because
1: I'm traveling
0: a lot. But yeah, there's there's appointment information on the website as well.
1: Cool. can I ask and feel free to say that, you know, you're not comfortable answering this, but I know you said that this last book you said kicked your ass. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, is there uh, you know, a personal example that you can share of something like that you're going through as you're having this massive, massive transformation happen in your life? I mean, I'll I'll see what I I feel I can share. Whatever
0: stuff that I've had that I would have preferred to sit on and ignore um, because it wasn't pretty, it wasn't comfortable, it wasn't how I wanted to be known or feel or any of those things I've been getting to experience. And then the equivalent, I would suspect, is, you know, what happens if you pick up a rock that's been sitting in the dirt and you expose what's been hidden to the light, it's going to go screaming. Mm-hmm. And so i mm-hmm. some of that. And the, the metaphor that the guides use in the book is that, you know, the, the orchestra that's been playing this waltz to this masquerade we've all been attending is packing up their instruments, And the masks are coming off, and the costumes are coming off, and the crap that's been hidden is coming out. And nothing gets healed unless it's allowed to the light. You don't heal what you deny. You know, what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. And that must include our own, I suspect. It's not to condemn it. You know, my small self, my whatever you want to call it, has done the best he could, given a whole bunch of stuff and you know the willingness to go through a passage like this. And I suspect it's true in most spiritual teachings. I don't know that it's all supposed to be the roses blooming at your feet as you walk mm-hmm. on the path. I think you have to encounter the things or the obstacles on the road that have been erected through fear or through cultural agreement and move past them, or at least understand that if you choose not to move past them, I suppose you can. But what the guides say at this point is this is all happening under the directive of the soul and the soul is seeking its realization and isn't necessarily condoning the the will of the personality that wants to sort of stay entrenched in his or her stuff, you know, because it's comfortable or because it's known. I don't know if any of us can do that anymore. I think the world's in great change and, um, you know, we have great opportunity here if we're willing to take it. But that probably does leave me, you know, leaving some of the comfort of the known behind.
2: Yes. I think what I really enjoy about this type of work is, um, you know, so much of our traditional religions have have created an atmosphere and conversation for a particular type of attachment about what happens after life. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these teachings, is it's, there is no this. Really, afterlife is just this life. Maybe the, the pieces change, but it's the the essence stays the same. Um, what I feel like has really shifted over the last few years, whether energetically or even in conversation, is that we do seem to be shifting um, a lot away from like like the resistance type of mentality. The things have to be hard. There's a more effortlessness in the conversation and in the energies right now. And and, then, um, you know, like books like yours, the reason I'm so drawn to them. And and now even talking to you, I, something I can, I want to honor you with is like the the humbleness. I think it's easy to get a big head about something like this because suddenly you are in this knowing, right. Or being given this information that seems to be this knowing and it could, uh, I imagine change you in and, and not so great ways too. So I just want to really honor your, your humbleness, again, your vulnerability as a, as a human uh, who's bringing this stuff through. And I, I actually love watching you grapple with this, um, that it's coming through. It's one of the most, like I said, endearing things about you. Um, but again, what I love about this type of work right now is I feel like you are an agent for shifting about the perception of which we've had about how to have the conversation. Mm. Because we've had it for such a long time the same way. Like you're gonna achieve this afterlife and that's gonna be like the fairy tale ending, but suddenly it's like maybe that's not even the causality here when we're we're aiming at the wrong target altogether. And it's really just about us learning to love it all in every respect and in every way that it arises.
0: Thank you. I you know, I'm I'm grateful if I am helping the conversation to become more inclusive. I don't know if it's it's about as much about result as I would have liked it to be, <laughs> um, but I do think that we're here to learn. That's what the guides say. This is school. We come to learn. We come to grow. They're giving us a way forward. It's not the only way forward, I don't think. I mean, we can learn through anything. I can learn through deciding to stay in my fear and learning the lessons through fear for the yes. rest of my life. It's, it's a valid way to learn. It's just going to get me more of what I've been getting, which is why I'm continually willing to move beyond it, you know, because I do trust at a certain level that it can be done. And with the guides, you know, it was somebody, somebody quoted one of the books on Facebook or one of the lectures. I don't know which one it was, but I, I stumbled across it the other day in social media. I was surprised because somebody wrote down one of my questions, which was, you know, Paul was saying, you know, who show us the goods you know, uh-huh. you, know you know was this really going to happen you know are you really going to deliver them you know and their response was you are the goods my friend you are delivered and I went okay that's it well if that's what it is and that's what they say you know it's like being on a toboggan just throw your hands up in the air and go, okay let's Let's keep going on the twisty road because, you know, I have to trust it at this point. I I have nothing else
1: left. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard for the human mind to grasp that concept, especially in today's world, that there is nothing to do. And it's written in so many books. It's about the being. It's not about the doing. But the mind just wants to. I know like with all the work that we've done, to just notice that part that's always wanting, always seeking, like, I want more, I want to achieve this, I have to get to there. This is okay, but there's better, like that whole concept that's just constantly ongoing. It's, it's amazing to watch the human mind
2: do its thing. Oh, yeah. I'm fascinated by your personal life experience. So like you had mentioned that, you know, um, you'd like to move, uh, there's different aspects of your life that you'd want to shift around. What's mm-hmm. stopping you? What's oh, stopping you? Good
0: question. I don't know if I mean. I'd probably have to ask the guys because I don't even know at this point what's. <laughs> <up>.
2: <laughs> oh. Well, but you occur, you you occur to me. Awesome. You occur, you occur to me as an intellectual, right? Like a, you're a very intellectual man, which is why it's even more interesting that something like this would happen to you. And you have this simplicity about you, but I also get the sense that you layer and complex things. You know, a lot. So, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if that's not accurate. I'm just using my 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 own sense about you and my limited experiences of you. Um, so I'm I'm curious. You know, with with all that said, like throw your hands up in toboggan. All right, we'll throw your hands up in toboggan. I'll see you in San Diego tomorrow. <laughs> Let's see you what know, happens.
0: <laughs> if, honestly, if it came with like a proposal of marriage, I'd probably be there. You know. <laughs> I well, mean, sorry. It's, it's, sorry, buddy.
1: let us know what you're looking for.
0: <laughs> but it's, um, if it felt right, I would. And I do know myself well enough now that I would. I would go. And um, the reluctance for change on my part, some of its entrenchments, some of its fear, some of its out and out laziness, I think. Um, and I'm aware of those things and I'm not happy about those things um, but I also trust that it's all happening in its time you know it doesn't necessarily have to happen according to my schedule you know many of the things that I demanded should happen um, had they happened I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing now and I know that um, the first thing was channeled i was I was hired and fired from a a, a, a writing gig. And I had the I had the worst writer's block of anybody I've ever known. I mean, suffered deeply over this and great shame about it because I was teaching writing. Mm. And I got fired and I went to bed for three days and beardless then. And this uh, colleague of mine from Goddard called me and she said, Paul, maybe this would be a good time to write that memoir about how you became clairaudient. And I had no intention of ever writing anything again. And I said no, and the guides piped in and said, well, we have a book to write. And if you take two weeks, we'll do it. Wow. at that moment, my ego had just been quashed. I had time that I didn't expect to have. I really didn't care what people thought of me because I just had a nice humiliation, so it didn't really matter. And I went, okay. And that was the first book, I Am the Word. They began it two days later. It took two and a half weeks because I took two days off to go teach at NYU. Otherwise, it would have been two weeks. And um, and nothing has been the same since. If I had gotten what I wanted, which was the career that I thought I was supposed to have, I, I would not have become available for this. And I do think that it happened at the right time in my life. I don't think I could have handled this in my 30s. I think I the ego would have gotten much too involved for me where I was then and there's something about being a little bit older and not caring in quite the same way i sure. just, i can't i don't know why that's so it's just maybe it's only true for me and
2: all. no i think I, there there's there's valid truths in that, I, I feel like faith is very, uh, life is very paradoxical. It's kind of like this both and equation all the time. It's not really and or, or if this and then that. I, I've i had an extremely mystical and magical experience with like my, my coming together with my marriage and my union and my firstborn and stuff like that what's always funny is like the the thread doesn't tie forward very well forwards but it ties very well together when you look backwards and suddenly you see the remnants and evidence of faith like these breadcrumbs that were left for you that in the now for some reason you can't really see the breadcrumb. so you either kind of like align to this feeling in your body and say hey i know like you said i know that i'm in my knowing that's really that all well, that's important. So I'm going to like trust that wherever I am and however I be and whatever my relationships and state of my finances or health or whatever might be that this is bringing me towards whatever, whatever this is, right? Like whatever that is, I don't want to call it anything. Um, so I, I I, understand, I totally understand that. And maybe that it, it's funny, like the, as faith grows action kind of slows if I can create a rhyme here. Um, because it's like suddenly I'm going to sit here until something moves me or guides me. And I, that might be difficult for some people to hear that are so achievement-based. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do think there is a sense of like, I'll just know it, you know, I'll feel yeah. it, and then I'll tell them to go.
0: It's a lot about being available, I have to say, and you're describing, you know, you're available to the action of spirit, for lack of a better word. I mean, the idea of, mm-hmm. of sort of offering oneself, in service, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to have a great life. It might mean a much greater life than we could imagine. Yes. Might not have the accoutrements that we thought were so terribly important. You know, the guides I work with (laughs) there's nothing wrong with having the house on the hill or, you know, the beautiful partner or the this or the that. Somebody gets to have them. That's not the point. The question is who wants what aspect of the self is wanting the house on the hill? if it's the aspect of the self that wants to prove that he's better than everybody else, you're operating in fear. You're creating in fear, you know, and the fear again is to self-perpetuate. So, you know, learning that stuff and that discernment I think comes with time. And, you know, for me, I still get knocked around when I try to overstep, you know, so I'm learning my way just as everybody else is.
1: I love that. that's such a great answer. Um, And you had mentioned even a few times about like the feeling it and the knowing it and things like that, which um, I definitely get a a big sense from just listening to these books and audios constantly. I I tell people like, just turn it on in your earbuds and go to sleep with them. And it really continuously works on you. Um, Did it give you just, just final question, because I know we want to wrap up. Like, do you get a sense someone just wrote here? Do you feel that you have always been taken care of? Like, has this has this guidance kind of given you that experience in life? In retrospect, I always have been. There's no question when I look
0: back. Yeah. No, I'm really, I'm astonishingly fortunate that way. But I also, because of how I grew up, which was in a a house where one never felt terribly safe, I think, um, the issue of being safe in the world has always been a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. So, even though know, I've been granted, I feel a lot of protection, you know, along the way, and I've been supported in this life. Um, do I trust it? No, but it's been the case, you know. Mm-hmm. And I suspect, always in retrospect,
2: it may be that,
0: you know. So that's um, a that's a wonderful question. I'm going to think about that some more. So yeah. I,
2: it's interesting you say that. I mean, I've, I've personally dealt with, the, you know, I think many of us do with the feeling of safety. Um, a lot of spirituality for many thousands of years has been like, let's awaken ourselves to transcend ourselves, right? Because in the transcendence, then we don't have to be in these bodies anymore. And we're kind of in this time now where it's like, we're yeah, we're transcending and we can awaken, but it's like, still chose a human experience. I mm-hmm. want to bring that back through. Um, but what I find is I'm, I'm also a very sensitive human. I've also learned to feel into people's bodies and uh, get some information and data based on collapses that are happening in, in their system. Um, and I do think that's the gift of the not safe child because <laughs> you know that's, that was the way of creating the safety, right, is to sense other people's stuff and be alarmed if you need to like pull back or um, yeah. if it was safe to engage, right? So there's an absolute gift in that. And again, to show so many of us want certain things, but it's like the things you admire the most maybe that are happening in your life or occurring in your life or are, are being founded by these aspects of yourself that you didn't really enjoy when you were younger or stuff like yeah. that. So I, I think that gives a lot of precedence to that.
1: Paul, it has been absolute pleasure to awesome. spend this time with you. Thank you for the knowledge, the wisdom. Thank you for all the work that you keep bringing through. Uh, I hope the books never stop. Maybe you hope they do, but <laughs> we enjoy them. Um, and for yeah, for everyone that's been listening either live or will be listening to the recorded podcast, uh, we'll have all the links, but it's paulselig.com You can find out all the information. And do you recommend that people start with a certain book or it doesn't really matter?
0: I think people go where they're drawn. I think the first book holds the DNA for the books to follow. I think if people wanna jump ahead, I would jump ahead to the Book of Mastery because it's the beginning of another trilogy. And the guides say they're teaching in a one room schoolhouse, so they'll meet people wherever they are and that's what they do. So people should trust themselves where they go.
2: Yeah. Love yeah. that. Well thank you. All right, both
1: everyone. Fun.
2: Thank you both. Our absolute pleasure. So so great to have you, Paul. Seriously. Yeah, uh, sending you a lot of love and thank you for the wisdom and, and you know the the grace to keep being somebody who is not just bringing the work through, but like challenging themselves through bringing the work through. And I, I didn't realize till you got on here that you're also the one reading the books mm-hmm. um, when I listen to the audio. So I'm going to enjoy them even more knowing that, your, I, that have your essence. I, I had no idea. I, I really didn't. So uh, I love knowing that it's like you're bringing the essence of the, what actually happened in the space through it, it makes it feel mm-hmm. even that much more special. Um, So yeah, a lot of of love, brother. And I hope that all the things that you you stated for your humanness, that you get those two.
0: Thank you for that. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thank
2: you. Thank you for being here. See you soon. Bye. Bye, everyone.
1: Hey, hey, before you go, I just wanted to remind you to go lock in your $9 per month for life offer to join our collective. I promise if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love what we're sharing inside of the collective. Again, just head to satoriprime.com forward slash collective and you can lock that price in. These are the same tools that we share with our personal one-on-one clients. And those guys pay us tens of thousands of dollars to work with us. You can have them for just 9 dollars a month again satoriprime.com prime.com forward slash the collective and as always we'd love to hear your honest reviews of our show so if you head to itunes and leave us a review right now you could actually be next week's lucky winner and lastly if you do want to connect with guy and i head to facebook right now join our personal development without the fluff private group ask for permission there's a ton of amazing exclusive content there as well And you get to communicate and interact with Guy and I on an ongoing basis. So as always, thank you for your trust, your loyalty, and your listening. We do not take it for granted. We really, really appreciate it. We love you and we'll see you next time.